0: Hero and Leander, 3, by Thomas Hood, read for LibriVox.org, by Peter Tucker. 91. Put out, put out, these sun-consuming lamps, I do but read my sorrows by their shine. O come and quench them with thy oozy damps, And let my darkness intermix with thine. Since love is blinded, wherefore should I see? Now love is death, death will be love to me. 92 away away this vain complaining breath it does but stir the troubles that i weep let it be hushed and quieted sweet death the wind must settle ere the wave can sleep since love is silent i would fain be mute o oh, death be gracious to my dying suit ninety three thus far she pleads but pleading nought avails her for death her sullen burthen deigns no heed then with dumb craving arms since darkness fails her she prays to heaven's fair light as if her need inspired her there were gods to pity pain or end it but she lifts her arms in vain ninety four poor gilded grief by subtle light by this with mazy gold creeps through her watery mine and diving downward through the green abyss lights up her palace with an amber shine there, falling on her arms, the crystal skin Reveals the ruby tide that fares within. 95. Look how the fulsome beam would hang a glory On her dark hair, but the dark hairs repel it. Look how the perjured glow suborns a story On her pale lips, but lips refuse to tell it. Grief will not swerve from grief, however told On coral lips or character in gold. 96 or else thou maid safe anchored on love's neck listing the hapless doom of young leander thou wouldst not shed a tear for that old wreck sitting secure where no wild surges wander whereas the woe moves on with tragic pace and shows its sad reflection in thy face ninety seven thus having travelled on and tracked the tale like the due course of an old bas-relief where tragedy pursues her progress pale, Brood here a while upon that sea-maid's grief, And take a deeper imprint from the frieze Of that young fate with death upon her knees. 98 Then, whilst the melancholy muse withal Resumes her music in a sadder tone, Meanwhile the sunbeam strikes upon the wall, Conceive that lovely siren to live on, Even as hope whispered, the Promethean light Would kindle up the dead Leander's sprite ninety nine tis light she says that feeds the glittering stars and those were stars set in his heavenly brow but this salt cloud this cold sea-vapour mars their radiant breathing and obscures them now therefore i'll lay him in the clear blue air and see how these dull orbs will kindle there a hundred Swiftly, as dolphins glide, or swifter yet with dead Leander in her fond arms fold she cleaves the meshes of that radiant net the sun hath twined above of liquid gold, nor slacks till on the margin of the land she lays his body on the glowing sand, hundred and one there, like a pearly waif, just past the reach of foamy billows, he lies cast just then, some listless fishes straying down the beach, spy out this wonder. Thence the curious men, low-crouching, creep into a thicket-break, And watch her doings till their rude hearts ache. 102. First she begins to chafe him till she faints, Then falls upon his mouth with kisses many, And sometimes pauses in her own complaints, To list his breathing, but there is not any. Then looks into his eyes where no light dwells, Light makes no pictures in such muddy wells. 103 the hot sun parches his discovered eyes the hot sun beats on his discoloured limbs the sand is oozy whereupon he lies soiling his fairness then away she swims meaning to gather him a daintier bed plucking the cool fresh weeds brown green and red 104 but simple witted thief while she dives under another robs her of her amorous theft the ambushed fishermen creep forth to plunder and steal the unwatched treasure she has left. Only his void impression dints the sands, Leander is purloined by stealthy hands. 105. Lo, how she shudders off the beaded wave, Like grief all over tears, And senseless falls. His void imprint seems hollowed for her grave then rising on her knees looks round and calls on hero hero having learned this name of his last breath she calls him by the same hundred and six then with her frantic hands she rends her hairs and casts them forth sad keepsakes to the wind as if in plucking those she plucked her cares but grief lies deeper and remains behind like a barbed arrow rankling in her brain turning her very thoughts to throbs of pain hundred and seven anon her tangled locks are left alone and down upon the sand she meekly sits hard by the foam as humble as a stone like an enchanted maid beside her wits that ponders with a look serene and tragic stunned by the mighty mystery of magic Hundred and eight or think of ariadne's utter trance crazed by the flight of that disloyal traitor who left her gazing on the green expanse that swallowed up his track yet this would mate her even in the cloudy summit of her woe when o'er the far sea-brim she saw him go a hundred and nine for even so she bows and bends her gaze o'er the eternal waste as if to sum its waves by weary thousands all her days dismally doomed meanwhile the billows come and coldly dabble with her quiet feet like any bleaching stones they wont to greet Hundred and ten, and thence into her lap have boldly sprung washing her weedy tresses to and fro that round her crouching knees have darkly hung but she sits careless of waves ebb and flow like a lone beacon on a desert coast showing where all her hope was wrecked and lost yet whether in the sea or vaulted sky she knoweth not her lover's abrupt resort so like a shape of dreams he left her eye winking with doubt meanwhile the churls report has thronged the beach with many a curious face that peeps upon her from its hiding-place Hundred and twelve and here head, and there a brow half seen dodges behind a rock here on his hands a mariner his crumpled cheeks doth lean over a rugged crest another stands holding his harmful arrow at the head still checked by human caution and strange dread hundred and thirteen one stops his ears another close beholder whispers unto the next his grave surmise this crouches down and just above his shoulder a woman's pity saddens in her eyes and prompts her to befriend that lonely grief with all sweet helps of sisterly relief. 114. And down the sunny beach she paces slowly, with many doubtful pauses by the way. Grief hath an influence so hushed and holy, making her twice attempt, ere she can lay her hand upon that sea-maid's shoulder white, which makes her startle up in wild affright. 115 and like a seal she leaps into the wave that drowns the shrill remainder of her scream anon the sea fills up the watery cave and seals her exit with a foamy seam leaving those baffled gazers on the beach turning in uncouth wonder each to each hundred and sixteen some watch some call some see her head emerge wherever a brown weed falls through the foam some point to white eruptions of the surge but she is vanished to her shady home under the deep inscrutable and there weep's in a midnight maid of her own hair 117 now here the sighing winds before unheard forth from their cloudy caves begin to blow till all the surface of the deep is stirred like to the panting grief it hides below and heaven is covered with a stormy rack soiling the waters with its inky black 118 the screaming fowl resigns her finny prey and labours shoreward with a bending wing rowing against the wind her toilsome way meanwhile the curling billows chafe and fling their dewy frost still further on the stones that answer to the wind with hollow groans hundred and nineteen and here and there a fisher's far-off bark flies with the sun's last glimpse upon its sail like a bright flame amid the waters dark watched with the hope and fear of maidens pale and anxious mothers that upturn their brows freighting the gusty wind with frequent vows. 120. For that the horrid deep has no sure path to guide love safe into his homely haven. And lo, the storm grows blacker in its wrath, or the dark billow brooding like a raven, that bodes of death and widows sorrowing under the dusky covert of his wing. 121 and so day ended but no vesper spark hung forth its heavenly sign but sheets of flame played round the savage features of the dark making night horrible that night there came a weeping maiden to high hycestos steep and tore her hair and gazed upon the deep hundred and twenty two and waved aloft her bright and ruddy torch whose flame the boastful wind so rudely fanned that oft it would recoil and basely scorch the tender covert of her sheltering hand which yet for love's dear sake disdain'd retire and like a glorying martyr braved the fire 123 for that was love's own sign and beacon guide across the hellespont's wide weary space wherein he nightly struggled with the tide look what a red it forges on her face as if she blushed at holding such a light even in the unseen presence of the night 124 whereas her tragic cheek is truly pale and colder than the rude and ruffian air that howls into her ear a horrid tale of storm and wreck and uttermost despair saying leander floats amid the surge and those are dismal waves that sing his dirge Hundred and twenty-five, and hark a grieving voice trembling and faint blends with the hollow sobbings of the sea like the sad music of a siren's plaint but shriller than leander's voice should be Unless the wintry death had changed its tone, Wherefore she thinks she hears his spirit moan one hundred and twenty six For now, upon each brief and breathless pause made by the raging winds, it plainly calls on hero, hero, whereupon she draws close to the dizzy brink that ne'er appall so brave and constant spirit to recoil, however the wild billows toss and toil one hundred and twenty seven o oh, dost thou live under the deep deep sea i thought such love as thine could never die if thou hast gained an immortality from the kind pitying sea-god so will i and this false cruel tide that used to sever our hearts shall be our common home for ever One hundred and twenty-eight. there we will sit and sport upon one billow and sing our ocean ditties all the day and lie together on the same green pillow that curls above us with its dewy spray and ever in one presence live and dwell, Like two twin pearls within the selfsame shell. 129 One moment, then, upon the dizzy verge She stands, with face upturned against the sky, A moment more upon the foamy surge She gazes with a calm, despairing eye, Feeling that awful pause of blood and breath, Which life endures when it confronts with death then from the giddy steep she madly springs grasping her maiden robes that vainly kept panting abroad like unavailing wings to save her from her death the sea-maid wept and in a crystal cave her course enshrined no meaner sepulchre should hero find end of poem end of section fifty this librivox recording is in the public domain